You're listening to Father Lead with Timothy Martin and Connor Bunn. And welcome back to a brand new episode of Father Lead. First and foremost, I hope you enjoyed that new intro. Um, I spent a lot of time putting that together. Yeah. Is that why you haven't changed clothes since yesterday? Uh, I've had these on for a couple days. Oh, man. All right, anyways, so we hope you enjoyed the intro, um, which there is a reason why we made that our new intro. Um, between now and the next couple weeks, if you can guess the race that's from, um, you will win, um, I guess we're going to give away a hat or yeah, something. Yeah, we're going to give from... away a throwback hat. So if you can um, if you can guess that, and, and we're going to put this out on Instagram too, so that's really where you need to go, right? Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, we can even we can even just put out a tweet with not the race, but just the audio. Yeah, just the audio. We're going to put that audio out there. If you guys can find what race that's from, um, then um, you guys can... First we'll put, one who finds it wins a... We'll put our new podcast open audio out there, so yeah. that's how they're going to listen. So we'll, we'll put that on Instagram and Twitter, and then we'll pick a winner from uh, we'll pick a winner from one of those. Yeah. So hopefully you guys retro hat. Retro hat. Everybody loves a retro hat nowadays. Vintage is in, but we've we've hit on that. But and anyways, I, I'm going to say I think the hat may actually be near the year that this audio was from. Perhaps, perhaps. But uh, anyways, whoo. We got a lot to talk about today. Um, a big episode on our hands, a lot of information, so definitely stay tuned for that. But we also have an interview with Jagger Jones, um, 2019 K&M Pro Series West driver. Um, that's going to be at the end of Timothy and I ranting on for the next hour. It's going to be in the Fuddle Lead Extra, which is going to be put right after we we get done talking. So I'll let you know um, when that's going to come in in that the episode. It, it was a really good interview. Um, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Jagger was a tremendous guest um and if you've listened to the last couple podcasts uh in this interview sadly he sides with you and you're like the victor and I'm, he does I he down, does i go down in a, a <clears throat> ball of flames he does it's which very is very disappointing very interesting so um yeah before we get into it today i want to wish a very special happy birthday to my grandfather who turned 76 today 76 birthday um hopefully he has many more on earth so Love old grandpa. Was spending time with him this morning. He was actually up at 5 a.m. this morning. I got up at 5 a.m. and he was in there sitting on his bed, fully dressed, hat on, and he was just like playing around with his batteries. And that's knives. what 76 year olds do. I don't know. He didn't even know how old he was this morning. He was like, "How old am I?" He got out of his calculator. He 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 put in 1944 minus 2020. And he got 76. He's like, "I guess I'm 76." Oh. So happy happy birthday to him. He's uh meant a lot to me, but. Uh, Anyways, whew, getting into this, we have a new NASCAR Heat 4 format between the two of us. I'm super excited about this. Anybody that's listened to this podcast for the last year knows that I have I've sucked on NASCAR Heat 3, NASCAR Heat 4. I've lost every championship to Connor by at least 200 points. Uh, last year, ending, ending the last season that we had, which was actually my best season ever, I got like six wins, I think. Um, but we've completely changed the setup, and we're going completely expert mode, right? Yeah, all everything's on zero. All the driving aids are on zero, and you were so apprehensive to do this. I mean, you were like so against this because you're like, I want to make it more realistic. But when we were racing on the old package, and you had already raced this new package that you tested out, just twenty. We laps. we qualify like thirtieth, and like the first two laps, you were like, I was already up to fifth by now. I was like, that's not really realistic. Okay, but we changed it last night. And what are your thoughts? Well, considering I've won the first, <laughs> the first two races, I mean, it, the car is super difficult to handle i mean there's been a, a many times that i've just spun out on my own uh seems like cautions are reluctant to the, throw the cautions now it's all the wrecks are more intense it too. was yeah i i hit the apron going down the front stretch at, at uh chicago land and it picked my ass up in the air and and turn me around. It seems like right. it's a little aggressive on hitting the apron. It seems like it's a little dramatized when you clip the now, apron. Now I, I want to say because you, you, uh, you mentioned you won the you won the first two races. We're actually like four races into the season, so I have the points lead based off of the previous races. But um, where was it? Was it uh, where did we run the first race at last night? Atlanta. Atlanta. So I did actually score more. I finished second, and I got more points than you did because yeah. you didn't get any stage points in points one. And in stage at one. Homestead, I actually. <laughs> probably was going to have a really good shot to win that race side by side of the line caution came out 
on the white flag. White flag. Yeah. And I mean, kind of we like this weekend. We have had in these two races more close racing between you and I than we've ever had before in yeah. NASCAR heat you, history. You definitely can't take a lap off. You you got to be up on the wheel driving. I mean, yeah. you were you were following me down into turn one at Homestead last night, and you were saying I was just <laughs> you could see how loose Oof. I was it's very trying to hold intense. on. Fingers to it. hurt after a race. Yeah, that's man. for sure because my, you're gripping my, that controller. My fingers hurt. <laughs> my fingers. Well, were you hurting. just you just earned yourself some landscaping duty. It's one of the best movies of all uh, time. I, I do still have a 30-point lead, though, so this has never yeah. happened. Yeah, that's okay. Well, there's and a I lot. have a win this season already, so it's 2-1. to one. One. Yeah. No, 3-1. to one. I won the 500. Oh, you did win the 500, so, so. it's 3-1. to one. But anyways, lot, lots of racing to go. We'll keep you guys Texas updated. Texas is next. Yeah, Texas is next. Lots of racing to go. We'll definitely update you guys on that. But uh, we got a lot of racing coming up this weekend, and we had a lot of racing going on this past weekend. We're going to hit on all that. Um, right now, but first, I want to start out by saying this weekend's going to be um, very special in the sense that William Byron and Ryan Blaney both—it's kind of kind of funny how those two always kind of tie their names into each other. Um, William Byron both are, and Blaney both are running um, tribute Kobe Bryant schemes this weekend at Auto Club. The track will also honor Kobe with a grass painting of his number, and he will also be honored in pre-race festivities. Um, I just saw Blaney's podcast at our, excuse me, Blaney's paint scheme as right before we recorded this podcast. And, uh, man, that's a nice paint. That's going to sell like hotcakes. They haven't released a 24 one yet, right? Haven't released a 24 one. You can probably expect that today or tomorrow. They usually release the whole week's paint schemes tomorrow. Um, but that 12 body armor paint scheme, um, looks really good. And, um, Blaney kind of had a little bit of ties with, with Kobe and, Body armor. I mean, Kobe was a big, uh, big in body armor. Um, I think he owned part of it, maybe, and and he got the chance to meet Kobe. But um, that that's really cool. And uh, I believe all the proceeds he's he's doing something to where all the proceeds go to um, Mamba on Three Foundation, um, which was which is Kobe's foundation. So um, it's really cool to see NASCAR um, honoring Kobe this coming up weekend in Fontana. Obviously, you know that's. Me a couple hours away from from Los Angeles, but definitely right there in the California and mix. His daughter, what number was she? Number two. See, I, I, that's why they I, celebrated two twenty four. Keselowski should do something. I think he should have done something to. I think all of them should have done something. I mean, I, I think they're all run decal. I just saw where Suarez he has like uh, I saw that the fire has, or the, the gloves. Yeah, the, the gloves uh, and the shoes. I think that's really cool. I think I think every driver will end up doing something. Um, unfortunately, Kyle. Kyle won't be doing anything, but he is in the new Interstate Batteries car this weekend, which is really cool, yeah. really anticipated. I, I can't wait to see what that looks nice. like on track. It's very, nice. very nice paint scheme. Um, so I just mentioned the name Kyle Busch. I would be remiss if I didn't just jump right into this. Kevin Harvick puts a $50,000 bounty on Kyle Busch following his dominant truck performance on Friday. Shoot to kill. And following that, a tweet by Marcus Lemonis, the CMO or CEO of Camping World, pitches in another $50,000 to any full-time cup driver who can secure a ride and beat Kyle straight up in the next four races Kyle participates in in the truck series. If nobody can beat Kyle, then the $100,000 goes to the Bundo Joint Foundation, Kyle and Samantha's Foundation. Um, so my question to you is, A, can somebody secure a ride? And B, can they beat Kyle Busch? And C, who could that be? I mean, I think, yeah, somebody's going to secure a ride. I think this is going to happen. I, I think it's probably going to happen in a few races down the road. I've heard Richmond could potentially be the race. Denny Hamlin seems like he's all in. He's He wants to do it. Um, I will I say I know that Denny has a lot of truck experience. You know he doesn't. Um, but I would say if anybody I would like to see go head-to-head with Kyle right now, it would be Denny. Denny, Denny seems like he's found a new gear in his career and it's at richmond his home track i mean it, it feels right to have two teammates I mean, I'd, I'd like to see more than one i mean if denny's gonna do it i'd like to see others do it i mean oh, yeah. the names that i have <clears> in mind are just names that sh- that's that that you know they shined in the truck series so austin Dillon, truck series champion yeah. um i mean you know ron horn today for me well he's not a he's not a, he's not a cup driver though <laughs> yeah uh, no. not a full-time cup It'd driver so though. you've got um william byron um i mean yeah but but who does he find series. a ride through i mean yeah well i know um I'd like to see Chase Elliott. He ran in the truck series. Um, somebody, somebody said John Hunter Nemechek because uh, you know he, we know Joe could throw together his dad could throw together a truck yeah, and could. put him in it. But the but, question lies: Can anybody beat King Kyle right now I in the truck think series? That Denny Hamlin could potentially, depending on what ride. I don't he think gets. so. I mean, depending on the ride. Well, depending on the um, ride, but I don't think anybody can really. I mean, look, Denny. Of course, Denny's a great driver. Doesn't really have much truck experience, especially in the recent years. 
those trucks drive so much different than the cup cars. I think it'd be really hard for a full-time driver to get in in one of the next four races and try and beat Kyle. I think it um, would. I mean, I think I think it's doable. I think you're going to have to have some oh, yeah. help. I think Denny's yeah. going to have to have some help from an issue with Kyle. Well, you, you, you can't know, wreck him. Like that. You can't wreck well, Kyle. Right, you can't wreck him. You, you got to beat him he straight up. He could get up. a speeding penalty. He could, he could get wrecked. Yeah. You, he could have a blown. What He seems to have a problem with the engines in those trucks. Well, um, he's won so. the last seven truck series races he's entered in. So, I mean... Okay, let me put this to you. You're a huge Kyle Busch fan. Yeah. Denny Hamlin does this, beats him. What do you think about that? I think that's really cool. How I, do you I, think Kyle feels about that? I mean, then it gets. I mean, obviously Kyle's going to be upset, but because he was already ready a little bit upset with this whole bounty thing. He well, yeah. He said, "Well, you put a bounty on somebody, bad things tend to happen." Um, he and he was like, "Well, what do I get out of it?" Um. And a lot of people have said Kyle running the truck series is really bad, but they don't look at it from a business perspective and from the perspective of an owner like he is and how that keeps his team more relevant. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, Kevin said it best. Kevin actually defended Kyle in a slew of tweets this past weekend saying that, you know, he runs that series not to just go out there and cherry pick. Um, he goes out there and runs it because it keeps his team relevant, keeps his sponsors happy, uh, keeps money coming into his business. And it's at the end of the day, the 70 to 80 families that are working for KBM are are happy at the end of the day because he's he's helping them all out. I'd also like to see uh, I'd like to see Keselowski or, or Logano do it. it. Yeah, it'd be cool if Keselowski could throw something together, but I I, I don't know, man. I and this I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible, but I don't think anybody can beat King Kyle. I mean, you. No, I think it's a challenge. I mean, number one, he's they're they're going to be going to a team that's not. There's no team that's up to par with a Kyle Busch in a truck. Yeah. So that they've already got that going against them. Yeah. So it's really going to be pure driving talent and what they can get out of that truck. Yeah. And, and we all know Kyle. You know Kyle with his, his driving talent. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, I think everybody kind of would love to see in the perfect world it be like a side by side battle on the last lap. But I don't think it's going to be that uh, yeah, though. Just, I mean, yeah. I think I think if anybody runs a series and secures a ride, I think they'll run top five. But I think Kyle will be six, seven seconds ahead in the lead, like he tends to well, be. Well, I don't races. know about that. That's, that's he won the race by seven seconds right, this past he did. weekend. But I don't. Richmond's a little bit different if they do Richmond. It I mean, is a little bit different. He hasn't. Chuck Tree series hasn't been to Richmond in, in quite a yeah, while. Yeah, so that could. Uh, um, yeah, but so that, what you know, that tells me is KBM hasn't been to Richmond in a truck in a while. So, yeah, but Kyle scoots you know, around Richmond, be... <laughs> so I don't know, man. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, definitely gives us something to talk about each week as this whole thing unfolds. Um, I got King Kyle. I don't. I don't think anybody can can knock. I mean, he's arguably the best truck yeah, series I'm, driver I'm in history. I'm gonna hold off on my prediction until I see who the driver is and what truck they're in. Yeah, it should be it should be very interesting. And yeah, what like what what team are they gonna land? I mean, teams just don't have extra trucks. Not like they, they, can they used to. Out. I mean, uh, Childress used to have a truck. Hendrick used to have trucks. Yeah. I think Roush used to have trucks. They, they just don't have them anymore. Yeah. The the whole business side of it's not going to be a cup owner. They're not yeah. going to a cup owner. Well, the business side of the truck series has changed so much in the past 20 years. I mean, you know, Thor Sport, you know, back 20 years ago, Thor Sport wasn't even a thing. Well, and, and, and like, you, you look at it and you got teams like Jordan Anderson racing and stuff. It seems like, a, a, like these guys off the street, and this is no knock, obviously. It just seems like guys off the street are throwing together teams and you're not seeing, like, big money owners um come into the sport you know, like like you don't see the Hendricks or the Roush or the Stuart Haas or RCR running the truck series anymore or even Gibbs I mean it it, it kind of just seems like like um like very come up it's a very come up cutthroat type league um and, and Denny's got to be in a Toyota I would imagine he's so got to be in a Toyota, Toyota yeah other than KBM is well out there for they him. got Friesen but Friesen's got Toyota and he actually bought the, that equipment from Kyle Busch but they don't have another I mean, it, to me, you're going to beat Kyle and Kyle equipment <laughs> to me. It's like, what do you put them in? Cause there's, there's literally no other ride that you can just throw out there. I mean, Chevrolet, Chevrolet, they could throw out there in like Nice Motorsports. They got a few rides, but like, I, I mean, just, just I don't for, see it happening. You know, for the, I mean, could Gibbs build a truck at Joe Gibbs racing? Could they build a truck in the next few weeks? I mean, you know, they that, could, but it, it depends. Like would TRD want to, want to throw that money in and do it? Well, I think Toyota has already said on Twitter that they're, they would support they're those. down for it but it really all just depends on sponsorship the logistics of it i mean there's a, there's a lot of stuff that has to come into play perfectly rowdy um, energy should sponsor this the truck that the other person drives well definitely not denny hamlin because he's a coca-cola driver right. so i think i think coke would be his sponsor i mean coke and denny put out a funny treat tweet and it was like hey at coke 
Yeah, yeah but the it, loser should have to drink rowdy energy the rest of the year in every yeah, interview. Yeah, so Denny, Denny was like, hey, Coke, don't you guys have an energy drink you guys want to promote on yeah, a truck? So, oh, that would be something. That, that would be something. But uh, we're, we're still talking about bounties. Speaking of bounties, and we were kind of talking about this yesterday, and as Twitter was just lit on fire yesterday by the NASCAR community, um, Jim, Jim Utter found himself as public enemy number one following a tweet after the race taking shots at Dave Portnoy and Barstool Sports. I'm going to go ahead and read the tweet yeah, here. read that for me. Um, it's very interesting how this all came came about. So this leads back to when Jim Utter tweeted, what the hell is going on in the media center? And for um, all of you listening, I hope that uh, you've seen whoever that was ask that really weird yeah, I question it. It's, um, it's hurt my head. to Joey Logano. And it, it was in this, I, I can't, I'm not even going to read it. It just makes no sense. If you want to, if you want to just look it up, just go to, go to like, go to Matt Weaver, Jim Utter's Twitter. You could see it. But anyways, um, in Jim Utter's response to that was some whack job, asked a ridiculous question to the John, to Logano, to Joey Logano, probably a barstool thing. So he Im- immediately threw out barstool. And Dave Portnoy, the CEO, El Presidente of Barstool, um, kind of came and defended his brand. And apparently this is not the first time that Jim Utter has thrown shots at Barstool. So Dave Portnoy uh, tweeted back at him and said, Would you please come on at Rubbings Racing podcast with Clint Boy and I on Thursday so I can emasculate you and can and you can beg for forgiveness. Oh, and nobody from Barstool was in Vegas. Um, I kind of want to scroll down. On Jim Dave. Utter is one of those angry old reporters, like that well, one. Person well, he's we're traditional about a long media. Yeah, it's he, traditional. He, he's all, all this new media has come in, and can't he can't really adapt, and so he gets yeah. angry. <clears throat> so I mean, okay. I think there, I think he was was right to say, uh, right to throw shade on the question, but wrong to immediately assume it was something to do with Barstool. Well, and my issue with this is that traditional media is really pissed off with modern day media. A lot of them don't like the NASCAR YouTubers because they're bringing in their own wave of of content and they're bringing in their own wave of um, viewers who have gotten into the sport. Same thing with Barstool. Barstool's come into the sport with a huge wave of following and a big NASCAR following, and they seem to be all out in NASCAR. I mean, we saw their setup at Daytona. We see what Dave Portnoy is doing for the sport, and I think it's pissing off tra- traditional media because they're bringing in more of a following, and more people are tuning into what they have to say than um, what traditional media is trying to say. And I, I don't have a problem with either either or. I think people who support racing should support each other. Uh, I think the last thing that we need is the media going back and forth at each other like that and like in-house fighting. I, I don't I don't really see the use of that and i know jim utter even threw shots at him this weekend someone someone tweeted at jim utter and said like um something about barstool being like being like uh coming into the sport and bringing in new waves and jim utter tweeted back at that and said yawn and like i mean he was just how many times are you gonna take shots at a big business before a ceo doesn't come out and say something you know i feel like jim utter's office keyboard is full of like crumbs and uh crusty keyboards oh, i'm not it's one of those big box monitors well, i'm not here to <laughs> to talk bad about about jim utter i mean i i appreciate everybody in the media i mean the traditional media i mean i follow jeff gluck and and i, I follow matt weaver and all the guys who have been in the sport for a while but i think people who should so people who support racing should support each other, and I don't see the good in trying to take down big companies, big media outlets like Barstool that are trying to make their way into the sport and bring a big following into the sport. Why would we? I mean, that's like self-destructive. Trying to trying to destroy like I I don't understand. Yeah, but it. I mean, it also takes away potentially takes away their readers. Yeah, and. So following from Jim Utter's standpoint, so Jim could be looking at it as you know these these all these new folks are coming in. They're taking away, they're taking away our readers. Well, they're, well, they're pissed off our... because they're they're overlapping. They're lapping traditional media, and tra- traditional media is you know it's no secret that they're on the back end now, and it's not what it used to be. And um, yeah, so Matt Weaver went on to tweet. I know at Jim Utter has most of you blocked. I appreciate his un- unapologetic nature. You never have to question how he feels. At Barstool Sports, harassment was unwarranted, and I'm not, I'm not a at NMPA member, but I hope it sends a message uh, that a paid NASCAR partner shouldn't conduct itself in that way. Harassment? Uh, yeah, because Dave Portnoy um, tweeted, he tweeted attack, and like a bunch of Barstool people, oh, like they geez. they 
They edited oh, they, they edited in um, someone stepping in like dog oh, shit, oh, and it was boy. Jim Utter's face. Oh boy! And they edited in someone playing like racquetball, and they were hitting Jim Utter's face. Oof. And well, I don't know how NASCAR feels about that. And Na- well, NASCAR's on the side of Barstool because they're wanting to bring them in. Well, right, but are they on the side of Barstool? Like drumming up support to attack, quote unquote, attack a NASC a, a, a longtime NASCAR. Well, they were just beating him up reporter. on social media. I mean, I mean, Jim Utter started it. He didn't have to. He didn't have to name drop. But now getting beat up on social media is like getting punched in the face in real life. Yeah, but you got to look back to where it was started. I mean, Jim Utter didn't have to name drop like no, that. No, that's what I said. And he's yeah, taking but, shots. Um, and, but uh, hold on, Matt Weaver went on to tweet. I'm not without my faults, and there are times I have drawn the ire of the folks on social media. I just don't think. Sanctionizing a sanctionizing body should Im- implicitly endorse a partner insinu- insinuating to its followers to quote unquote attack a media member sharing images of his head being battered around. I don't, be I, kinder. I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, can you imagine if Nationwide after the Roval race had gone on social media and told everybody to attack Bubba Wallace after throwing water in the face <clears throat> of Alex Bowman or whatever? His, if, yeah. I don't know what his sponsor was that race, but I mean. That kind of is that maybe is getting a little bit out of control. That's kind of to me. That's that's kind of Barstool is kind of testing. They're kind of flirting with. But that's the that's deep who Bar, that's there. who Barstool is. They're they're not your traditional big media outlet. I mean, they're they're uh, they're essentially like a frat. Right. No, I understand. But in in today's world, saying one wrong thing can create the biggest public relations nightmare and can lose people jobs and can lose endorsement deals. But that's what they've else. that's what they've made their name off doing is is being in the public eye like that. And I'm not saying attack, but defending their brand because they have a lot of people coming after their brand because a lot of people are jealous that they've been able to do things their way and gain as much of a following and get as big as they've been so they've been attacked by i mean they they've been attacked by people in the nfl and the nba i mean they cover all sports and it's the same thing every time um another interesting response was by someone under the twitter name at marshall gibbell um they tweeted at matt waver and said i agree with you on most of the time matt but not on this barstool will keep nascar more alive than utter ever could that's just reality um i just don't know if the nascar folks this is the headlines they want Two weeks into the season, I don't think they really care. This is—I don't know. The, the 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 France family cares. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I, I think it's kind of funny though. You know, saying attack, but I mean, I think at some point you have to draw the line, and 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 you just. But but it goes back to Jim Utter being pissed off and being a bitter no, traditional I, I media member and him name dropping YouTubers and him uh, name dropping Barstool. I mean, you can't throw shots at a company like that over and over again and then expect people to not stand up for each other. It seems like to me Jim Utter was just being a big bully who's jealous that he that they're getting more clicks, they're getting more views, and they're bringing in more people to the sport than what he's doing. Okay, so let's say Utter leaves the track next weekend and all his tires are slit. Have we crossed a line? We definitely crossed the line. <laughs> but the insinuating attack was just on social media. I mean, Jim, if you look at it, Jim Utter attacked Barstool and NASCAR YouTubers. So um, even like even like media members like Jeff Gluck kind of came to. Um, NASCAR YouTuber's side, and he was like, you know, I enjoyed working alongside Erica Stebb, Joseph Lombard, and Darian this weekend. You know, they, they belong in this sport. They've earned their way. I think which... my, and I think my argument comes from I have the ability to see both sides because I have a journalism degree back in 2006, so I have that traditional approach and then also the new media approach. So I, I can I – can, I'm not saying what Utter mm. said was – he shouldn't have mentioned Barstool. I, and I don't think Barstool should have necessarily said attack, yeah. but I can see the animosity between the two outside of this whole instance. Yeah, Danny B tweeted back at that and said, ah, now we're playing with fire. I was on Barstool's side that well, see, Utter... I agree with that. That Utter shouldn't have insinuated by assuming something childish was Barstool when they weren't even there to cover the Vegas race, but now we can't call at Matt Weaver nobody because he's definitely one of the best. Um, I don't know. This... To me, I don't think Utter should have. Utter just should have kept his mouth shut. I mean, regardless of how he feels about Barstool and NASCAR YouTubers, whatever. But he should have never. Was he, was he? The question is one. 
when he says, I mean, and I don't know, I'm just throwing this out there. He he may have been alluding to bar stool, not necessarily bar stool. No, he said it. Terms, I know he said bar stool. He said it might be a bar stool thing, but it, he he could have meant the whole, the whole, you know, surroundings of bar stool. I'm trying to find the right word. What bar stool? You know, the the followers that bar stool has that type of that type of following that those those type of of followers. Um. I mean, someone here's where it really erupted. Somebody tweeted. Um, after he tweeted, what the hell's going on in the media center? Someone tweeted back at him and said, At Barstool and rubbing his racing bring a lot more to the sport. I wouldn't be name-dropping them in any negative way. Be professional. And Jim Hunter tweeted, yawn. Nothing about that response. Yawn is professional by Jim Hunter or named. Like, if you have a journalism degree and you're at the highest level of reporting on a big major sport like NASCAR as Jim Hunter, tell me what's appropriate and professional about name-dropping another company and responding uh, yawn to that insinuating that you don't care yeah uh, i probably just wouldn't have put, tweeted anything exactly uh, jim jim utter uh, and um i mean you could have tweeted what what's going on in the media center and, and said i mean first of all when you say what's going on in the media center you you need to say something a little bit more than that provide some insight an <laughs> open-ended tweet because basically what that is is that's just a tweet to try to get replies and and, and you know try to get clicks and people you know um, watching your page every moment to see what what, what you're going to say next. So well, I, mean, you, I think he's trying to go. What happened in the media center? Yeah, I think he's trying to go above and beyond to try and get those clicks because he sees that he's being passed up by Barstool, and he's. I mean, the reality is, and this is no knock on Jim Utter, that these guys who are covering NASCAR YouTube and Barstool Sports are bringing in more viewers than what he's doing in traditional media. I mean, that's that's just the fact of the matter. Uh, there's no speculation about that. I mean, it's it's true, and I, I don't think he likes it. Uh, moving on from that, I just saw a tweet from Adam Stern saying, Fox TV earned 5.5 million viewers for Sunday's Pennzoil 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, up 8% from last year's second NASCAR Cup Series race at Atlanta, up 7% from last year's spring race at Vegas. That's good. March. Ratings on the rise. Ratings are on the Could rise. Could be all due to NASCAR's number one podcast for the lead. I'd say we we have had a big hand in this sport um, trending trending upwards. So kudos kudos to us. Pat on the back to us. Um, exactly. So you have anything to add to that Jim Utter situation? Well, I mean, I've said what I've, I mean. It's just it's kind of I, I think both parties are guilty. Utter's probably a little more guilty, but I think um, Barstool took the bait. Someone throws a rock at your head. Are you not going to throw a rock back to defend your company? We're just gonna let someone well, beat you up. I'm I'm going to give a more educated response than attack. Well, <laughs> that's Dave Portnoy though. That's <laughs> Dave Portnoy. Attack. If you, if any if you know him, anything about Dave him. Portnoy, you know that's just how he is. Um, I guess my my closing thoughts on that would be just support people who support racing. That should be. I mean, we we're all here in this big creative space together. We can all succeed together, and there's gonna be no winner that comes out of the media fighting each other. I mean, You're right. No, and I, I, I don't think Jim so, Hunter's going to win in this. I don't know that. Nobody's going to win. Barstool has the followers, so their followers are going to be ramped. They're not going to. They're not going to go a against loyal Barstool, following. No at that. Loyal following. So, but from a from a big picture perspective, taking the followers out of it, nobody wins in this situation. Yeah. Anyways, we're going to move on to the Fuddly Race Rewind, where we recap all the action from Sunday's race. I'm going to start out by saying that Harvick. Had the best car in the short run, starting out mm, the race. Nah, um, no. But then I mean, Chase Elliott. Really short run. Yeah, but then Chase Elliott came out Dominant. of a cannon. Dominant car. 20 laps into I the run. So, I mean, I was I was saving Chase Elliott photos on my phone because preparing to put out the post of this is his time. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he just, you know, he'd restart what happened. He dropped, you know, he dropped back a couple spots. But then after 20 laps, he was, he was on a rail. Nothing like I'd ever seen from it. Chase Elliott's camp this early in the season on a track like Las Vegas, so. and maybe maybe what was more encouraging to see was all the Hendrick cars mm-hmm. showing speed. I mean, Jimmy was up there t- top seven most Byron of the race. Byron up there competing top five. And obviously, Bowman could have won this race could've potentially won. there yeah. at the end of the caution had come out. But I'm super stoked for Chase. I think this is going to be good things for them. But of course, um, Rex, yeah, Rex. yeah, we're going to move on to that. So Elliott wins stage one and two pretty easy, Boom. and then fences the car going into turn one. What do you? What happened? I don't really know what happened. Dude, I think he said a, he had a flat tire. Yeah, I think it was a pit stop. And he oh, I know what happened. Um, the uh, you know where the 
the the thing that holds the air in the tire. I can't yeah, think of it right now. Well, it got knocked off. Oh. And that yeah. that caused the tire to go flat down the front stretch. And he was having radio issues as it was. And um, Alan was trying to tell him. And by the time it got to oh, him, I mean, really? he got into one. He said, hey, I see it flat going down the front stretch. And by the time he got into one, it let go. Yeah, I mean, I was popping in and out. I couldn't sit down and watch this full race in its entirety. But every time I popped in, Chase was leading or, or going to the lead. And it was like, great. I'm super excited. This is I mean, he's already won three stages in, in the first two races of the year, which has never happened. So Chase Elliott fans have plenty to be excited about still six in the points but um so we're yeah, it's disappointing he couldn't close the deal it always seems like i mean he's wrecked what was i saying telling you last night like four or five out of the last six races yeah but it's a new season i know um, yeah i mean so i guess I mean, my, he's not in the hole in the points. he's not yeah. Kyle Bush in the points right now which okay could be. <laughs> okay well let's chill out okay we're 45 minutes into the season okay, okay you're the one that sat on that couch right there and kept saying the whole race every oh kyle's gonna be 35th in the points after this he's gonna be 30th in the points because so you started, chill out starting in a 10 point hole you're like you oh dude out. oh dude it's Kyle Bush he has time and i told you going into the second stage nah dude we're, we're gonna run 11th to 14th today and we sure enough ended 15th um so that brings up my next points. Toyotas were out to lunch all day. The highest finishing Toyota was, was, in fact, Kyle Busch at 15th. Um, I think it's good to mention that Martin Truex Jr. had a really fast car until he fenced it and uh, and ruined Which, his that's day. that's no surprise that Truex is kind of the leader of the pack. <clears throat> it, it, it happens a lot. Yeah. All you Toyota haters out there, I hope you enjoyed this week. Um, definitely don't get used to it. <laughs> um, I don't think that's going to be very indicative of how this season's going to go. Um, that was one race. Um, you know, Toyota put themselves in a – or. Well, Hamlin and Kyle and Bell really struggled. I mean, they put themselves in a hole early. I mean, they failed tech. That's inexcusable. Um, and then they just failed tech. They had uh, penalties. I mean, they all had L1 penalties, penalties and, 10 and, point and deduction. Bondo, bondo issue. Yeah, bondo issue. I mean, whatever. And, and so you, you put yourself in a hole, and they just struggled to find speed all, all weekend. But traditionally, Toyotas struggle in the second race of the year. Um, every time we go to Atlanta, or every time we went to Atlanta, the second race of the year, Toyotas really struggled. Um, it's just that early season blues. Um, I definitely don't expect to see that this weekend. Fontana is a is a really really good track for um, Martin Truex and Kyle Busch. So I definitely expect to see them running at the top. Um, I know speaking from Kyle's standpoint and listening to a scanner all race. Uh, I mean they just couldn't get a they couldn't get a grip of the handle. I mean the handling was super bad. They were they were loose in tied off. Um, no grip in the middle. It was plowing at one point. Uh, and then once they got the handling fixed, it just couldn't find any speed in the car and coming out, having to come through traffic and all that stuff. I mean, it, it was just a, it was just a very, very down day for uh, Toyota, which you're going to have that every once in a while. But uh, definitely that, that's not expectations. I, I'll, I'll clear this right now. Hendrick running all four of their cars in the top 10, that's, that's not to say that they're going to do that all season. And Toyota running all their cars out of the top 15, that's not saying that's going to be like all season. I mean, we're 45 minutes right. into this season. I, I understand people are happy. I was really happy to see Byron run well. hate to see what happened to him at the end. Um, Toyota's ran like shit, but I know that that's not going to be indicative of how this season's going to go. So I think everybody should just chill out and, you know, everything's going to be okay. So moving on, Ryan Blaney. Leading with Alex Bowman catching him with six laps to go, and Ross Chastain, who was driving the sixth car this weekend, actually raced pretty pretty well in the first first two stages. Spun out on the apron on the backstretch, causing a controversial caution, and that led to a restart. But before the restart, we had Blaney Bowman and a slew of other cars pitting, which left the 22 and the 24 out in the lead as the leaders, with the 21 behind them. Um, and then on the last restart, tends to be what people like nowadays, total bullshit chaos. Byron went from 2nd to 22nd in less than a lap, with Matt DiBenedetto cutting his tire, being super aggressive on the restart, and we have total bullshit chaos. Race ends under caution, Joey Liano wins. Your thoughts? Yeah, it was disappointing. Um, I thought it was a great race. We disagree on that, obviously, but, um, well, you know, uh, and and I think and, and I mean I'm gutted for Byron. I feel like Matt. They interviewed Matt DiBenedetto. Nobody ever wants to be critical for some reason of Matt DiBenedetto. Um, and they interviewed him after the race too. And well, same with Stenhouse. They, I mean, if you're a true reporter, I mean, you're not. And and DiBenedetto dives down below the apron in turn one to pass Byron and cuts well, his tire down. He didn't do that below the apron. He went up on him because Byron start, restarted on the outside. So he went up. He went up and hit his. 
his uh, but left Benedetto's rear. But Benedetto's car was below the apron. Yeah, it was below the apron at one point, but he went up and hit the left rear of Byron. Right. Yeah. Um, but if he's going to do that and then cut the tire down, cause, which ultimately ended up, what? Causing the wreck and having Byron wreck. finish I mean, you're 22nd. you to Benedetto about that after the wreck. Why are you not asking Benedetto at that after? Well, Why is thing. it all roses for De- Matt Benedetto? Same thing with Ricky Stenhouse. I mean, he... He makes it five wide on the back stretch and splits a hole that you could barely put three pieces of paper through, cuts the tire of the 12. I mean, it sent the 12 back to 11th. And, I mean, the 47 was aggressive. Never heard anybody ask him, him about that after the race. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I hate these restarts. Um, I'm not a fan of this package. Anybody who's listened to this podcast over the last year knows I hate this damn package. I hate tearing up race cars, and I hate seeing people who restart with two to go, second, uh, go from second to 22nd in less than a lap because people have to be, quote-unquote, overly aggressive and cut their tire and ruin their day. Um, so, yeah, I, I I don't like it. But um, we asked you guys on Twitter after the race um, if you guys thought it was a really good race. Um, and 84% of you said it was a good race. 16% of you said no. Um, you thought it was a good race. Um, I'm the minority. I mean, there seemed to be a lot of, there seemed to be a lot more close. The pack, the, from leader to 10th seemed to be a lot closer than, than last year. Um, because I went back and looked at last year's and, you know, Harvick was out there with a, or whoever it was, was out there with a six, seven second lead. Mm. And it seemed like the restarts last year were crazy. Yes. The restarts this year were crazy. Yes. But it seemed to me that. The, the the cars stayed a lot closer together this race than they did last race. Well, let's let's note that it's not package based. It's you know Chevy got a new car and right. they were able to to yeah. compete. Yeah, I mean right. You're you're right about that for sure. Yeah, I'll say I'm the minority. Um, I don't like this package. Was it a good race? Man, eh, sure. I mean whatever. We had side by side battles, but at the end of the day, we had seven cars on the hook after the race because we got to tear up a bunch of shit on the last restart. I'm just not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of, all right, let's throw all these balls in the thing and let's just twist them all up and see who wrecks at the end, see who comes out. I'm not a fan of that. I, I don't like seeing cars get tore up. Um, I'm gutted for guys who have a really good car all day and restart second and a bonsai move like that. You know what a move like that got Brad Keselowski at Texas? Beat the fuck up by Jeff Gordon and his pit crew. We don't see that nowadays. Nowadays it's, oh, man, that was good racing. We just junked each other. That exact same move that cut the 24 in Texas in 2014 got him beat up by Jeff Gordon. It's a lot more on the line then. A lot more on the line, but still, if I'm if I'm racing top five, top ten all day, and I'm starting second on the last restart with Byron's two, other type of person yet that's going to go beat up Matt DiBenedetto. Right, and I'm not saying Matt DiBenedetto should get beat up, but all I'm saying is, I I don't like I don't like this. I think this is total BS. Um, we should not be tearing up as much cars as we are on the last restart with two to go. And guys should not be going from second to twenty second when they've been running in the top five all day um, over some stupid move like that. I mean, I I don't get it. Like I think I think Brett Griffin said it best on Darbert McClear. Guys are racing nowadays like they're not afraid to get hurt. They're throwing blocks like they're not afraid to get hurt, and they're racing like they're not afraid to die. And until someone gets seriously hurt, and until someone actually dies, maybe guys will change their way. But um, this package forces guys to have to race balls to the wall fearlessly to where somebody's going to get hurt. So that's all I'll say. I don't know if somebody's going to get hurt Vegas. I mean, well, these I'm cars not, are looking at him, and these I'm not cars saying, are so safe. I'm not I mean, saying Vegas, but, I mean, we we could have had a tragedy on our hand at Daytona. And I think the restrictor plates are really the only tracks nowadays where you're going to have that big ass serious spoiler. injuries. It's that big spoiler. I mean, you could have concussions at some of these smaller tracks. You could have some freak thing happen where something – flies through the window net in a crash i don't know but i mean it's just it's just not not as common as it as it, as it was yeah so they're racing this way because they know they can't get hurt pretty much well they think they can't get i mean there's there's always the possibility but i mean i to me it's just it's total bs chaos and um i'm not a fan of it and am i the minority yes do i care no um I don't know. I, I'm just not a, I'm not a fan of that. And, like, even even people who were – I mean, even if you're a Blaney fan, I mean, how do you like this? I mean, your guy's, your guy's leading, comes down pit. I mean, he's a sitting duck as, the, as a leader right there when the caution comes out. But, I mean, he gets split five wide by none other than who Ricky Stenhouse, tire cut, finishes 11th. With, you know, it just – it seems like this is going to be a common factor to happen. I mean, it seems like 
back and let it can you quit rubbing your beard on the Sorry. on the microphone please um it seems like we saw this maybe once in a blue moon um until we got this package and now it seems like a reoccurring theme like if i'm starting on the front two rows on the last restart i'm thinking how i'm gonna get junked how someone's gonna cut my tire and how i'm probably gonna go head on to the wall um tires mean nothing um pit road strategy absolutely means nothing joey logano restarted with 35 lap old tires william byron was on way fresher tires than him couldn't get by him 21 was on way fresher tires too couldn't get by him by him the guys started in the back couldn't get by him um tires mean nothing strategy means nothing it is all just this package air woohoo hope everybody likes it i hate it anyways i'm ready for a break i'm pretty pissed off now all right when we come back we'll be talking about the fontana weekend slate what we got coming up this weekend in the nascar cup series and xfinity series but before we do that if you haven't already followed us on social media where can they find us? On Twitter at FuddleLead, on Instagram at FuddleLead, on Facebook at FuddleLead, email FuddleLead at gmail.com, YouTube yeah, FuddleLead. If you're Jim Mutter, I'll be waiting for an email, because I'm sure he's one to email. There was actually a rumor that he has gotten, he's gotten media members' cars towed before from the track for parking in his assigned spot. That's a rumor. I don't know if there's how much truth there is to that, but if that's the case, holy shit. Tracks. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. But uh, anyways, we're going to take a break. Crash. Trouble. Tired of reading through stories that don't matter to you online? Do you need an app that gets you and what you want to read? Well, download Flipboard today. Flipboard curates the world's stories so you can focus on investing in yourself, staying informed, and getting involved. Go to the App Store, type in Flipboard, and you can download it for free. And welcome back to the lead episode eight season two so now it's it's time for that pod that time of the podcast we get into the fontana weekend slate we just started kind of this segment and uh this breakdown last week after daytona so we're going to continue this throughout the season so uh coming up this weekend we got the xfinity series and the cup series are in action this weekend xfinity series will be racing on saturday cup series will be racing on sunday obviously i looked at the weather guess what's in the forecast for sunday rain yep jeez Seems to be the theme of the season oh so far. Gosh. Yeah, I know it's stupid. When does it ever rain in, in Vegas? I mean, does it rain in California a lot? No. I mean, uh, not crazy, we Mel. I was out in California last year, and it's like there's it's just sunny. It's always sunny. Yeah. And there's 365 days of sunshine. So. Yeah. Anyways, who, who do you think is going to be hard to beat this weekend? <sighs> I think the Penske cars are going to be good again. Um, seems like. It seems like uh, Brad and Joey have kind of gotten with this switch a little bit quicker than, of course, I'm saying this two races into the year. So, I mean, uh, it seems like they, they kind of are running a little better than Keselowski. And you, mean, you, you said Brad and Joey? Or, you mean? I'm sorry, uh, Ryan and Joey. Okay. 12 and the uh, 22 seem to be a tick better than the two. Um, I think they're going to be good again. I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Truex, you know, maybe seal the deal and, and, and he had a problem. He was going to be top mm. five for sure. So I think, I mean, I'm going to be interesting to see how the Toyotas rebound. I think, again, I, I don't want to say they're going to be dominant or, or great, but, you know, saw great things from the Hendrick cars in, in Vegas. So I'm certainly interested to see how they run here as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, our, we got a points battle. Um, we have a points I'm battle. Leading, it, it's time to pick right them. Now. Yeah. How many, how many it's, points are you leading by? Lead. Really weird week. Um, this past week, I picked the 37, who got rolled back to the garage, and you picked the 95. Both had pretty bad weeks. You said you have a how many point lead? I've got an eight point lead. You got an eight point lead. Um, it's my turn to pick first this week. Who do I want this week at California? I almost want to go with the with the top guy. Um, hmm. Who am I feeling this week? Hmm. You know, give me the old, give me the old two. Give me Brad Keselowski this week. Brad Keselowski. Give me Brad Keselowski. And I am taking William Byron. You're gonna take William Byron. Interesting, very interesting. So I, I got Brad Keselowski. He's got William Byron. Um, two top drivers. Two, two good picks. So um, we'll definitely have to see how that unfolds. Um. So yeah, that that's gonna be interesting to see. No, I think so. Um, and. I think Byron's in the Kobe car, so well, so I is think, Ryan Blaney. Well, yeah, yeah, but you didn't pick Blaney. Um, but so I think I think this is a track where Byron is potentially poised to get his first win. Well, he he was had a damn good car last week. I was really gutted for him to see him finish twenty second. He didn't deserve it, um, but 
We'll definitely have to see. So Sunday, 3.30 Eastern time on Fox. Coverage starts at 2. So, uh, yeah, definitely tune in for that if you're going to be able to watch the race. Um, that's going to be it for us talking right now. But stay tuned right after I end this bit. We got a Father Lead Extra with Jagger Jones, 2019 K&M Pro Series West Driver. Um, he was he was courteous enough to give us a little bit of his time and join the guys uh, for a podcast. This interview was pre-recorded last night, but we will implement it in right now. So we'll see you guys next week. Crash trouble. This is a Father Lead Extra with driver Jagger Jones. And welcome back to Father Lead. We are excited to welcome now on the phone racer Jagger Jones to the podcast. Jagger, thanks for being with us. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on, Dad. I got to say, first and foremost, I love that name. That's like the ultimate racing name. Has anybody ever told you that? Yeah, I hear just at least every week, I would say. How did you, how did you, how did uh, your parents come up with that name? Um, so, my last name's Jones, obviously, and they always say that's a pretty boring, average last name. Um, so, if you, you have your last name, Jones, you got to have an interesting first name, and um, just about everyone in my family has a, a J name, so they wanted to stick with that. Um, and I don't, they say I'm not named after Mick Jagger, but I bet you that's where they heard it. Ah, <laughs> okay. So. Interesting, interesting. So taking a look at uh, your 2019 stats from the K&M Pro Series West Series, you had uh, you had one win, eight top fives, 11 top tens, and you led 248 laps what do you feel like you could take away from last season? Where could you have improved? What do you think you did really well and that you can take with you moving forward? Yeah, for sure. Last year was a, a, a good step for me, for sure. Um, two years ago, or the past two years before that, I, I started racing late models and um, really was learning to race on oval oval cars and then um, jumped into the K&N series last year, um, the West series, now Arca West, but last year um, with Sunrise Ford and but first time in a full-body stock car, we didn't um, did a ton of testing before the season and really even throughout the season. So most most of um, my learning was done the first few races. Um, we definitely, as, like you said, I, we got that first win, which took a little bit more than um, I, I really would like. I, we got really close a couple races, like Vegas, Colorado last year at the beginning of the season, and then um, just had a little bit of bad luck, a little bit of mistakes on my part. Um, all of our parts, no excuses to be made. We just, I didn't close out very well the first few races in the year. Uh, and I think that was definitely one thing I learned was how to, how to get it done, how to finish a race um, for Bob Zero to walk to the end um, from the green to checkered flag, how to put it all together. And I think that's one thing that I really learned from the Canaan series last year. And, of course, learning how to drive those um, a bigger car, a bigger, heavier car like that. Watching the K&N series last year, it was pretty evident that the intensity was ramped up to a whole nother level as the races got on into the season. Um, if I, if my memory serves me right, you had a little run-in with Derek Krause, um, even Haley Deegan at, at times. How would you describe what it was like racing um, the top competitors in that series from week to week? Yeah, for sure. Um, I... It was definitely different than a lot of things I've experienced before. I think when you put three up, more than three, but um, between me, Haley, um, Derek, my teammate Trevor, when you put a bunch of upcoming kids like that, I would say that we're we're all on pretty equal levels um, driving-wise. Like We were all very competitive with each other, um, and and that really showed because we were racing each other for wins week in and week out, um, and we were really the main series it wasn't like there was 10 of us so one of the few of different guys every week we were battling each other every race just about every lap one this a group about four of us were all racing so um, it definitely escalated to some heated moments um yeah and like you said Haley got into me a few times I got into her obviously a, a few times um same with Derek Derek uh decided to kind of move me out of the way and spin me for I guess you could say for the win in Meridian. Um, you know, it's just it, most of it was just racing. I mean, I I don't think any of us were were going out there, showing up to the racetrack, planning on wrecking whoever was in front of us. It was more heat of the moment deals, just trying to win races. Um, like I said, you put up a bunch of 
mean, kids who know that this is their shot to make it in one series and good equipment, um, racing for wins, that's going to happen um, no matter where, you, where you're racing. So um, I think that's just the nature of it. Um, it, it definitely sucks um, getting the worst end of it a few times, but eventually we're able to kind of overcome some of those uh, races and, and we're able to get that win for sure in uh, Roseville. I mean, I thought you had a great season. I mean, if you, you you look at all those stats, I mean, mm-hmm. first season in there, I thought I thought those numbers were, were really good. What kind of where are you at now? What are the current plans? We don't because you're not you're not currently running in that series. Is that right? Yeah. So this year, um, at the end of last year, we we're kind of going through our decisions, and um, we don't have a. I, I don't have well, my grandpa definitely helps me, and my family definitely helps me, but. Um, we're just, just not really in the position to pour um, millions and millions of dollars into my racing program, um, like like a lot of other people are doing. And um, no no um, blame or anything to them. That's just the nature of our sport. I think right now a little bit, unfortunately, and that's how a lot of it's working. Um, so we kind of weighed out our options. Into last year, if we were going to stay on the west coast, go somewhere east coast, try to put. Um, what we thought was best, and we ultimately thought um, trying to get get out of the West Coast, try to do more of the East Coast races or the main Arca Series races um, was better than better for my career, um, better for me, better gave me a better opportunity opportunity long term, and um, what we knew was going to be a stretch to put it all together, and, and we're still working on getting the deal together. Uh, we just ultimately thought that um, we're just not necessarily wasting our time, but really about more of the East Coast, where it's a little bit more opportunity will be uh, for me going forward, and um, that's the best plan for us to make it to um, where, where I want to be in, in my career, and that's racing full-time in the Cup Series, so um, we're still trying to put some, some deals together. Um, we're always looking for sponsors, looking for um, an opportunity for me uh, to, to do some races this year, and um, yeah, we're still working on that. And, and I saw that you were, uh, I think, down in at, at Daytona for the 500. We were down there too. That was that was pretty. That was just a kind of an unbelievable race uh, from start mm-hmm. to finish over the two days. But is part of this being in the Cup Garage, kind of making contacts, meeting people, and, and getting your name out there? Yeah, for sure. That's that's a huge part of it. Um, I think racing is as much of a, a business. The more you're, you're involved in racing, you realize how much more of a business it is. Um, just as much as it is a sport, it's a lot different than, let's say, football, where um, you go to college, you get a scholarship, um, you play for those teams, and then you get drafted in the NFL. In racing, you're, you're fighting to get sponsors, finding to meet team owners, um, be around the right people, find an opportunity um, where a sponsor is willing to put money, and you get connected with a great team that gives you great equipment, and then you can work on your driving and then really prove yourself. So it's a lot different than that, and I think, uh, of course, going to Daytona and talking and meeting people, um, making new relationships and talking to people that I already know. Um, I think that's, that's huge, and that's one of the reasons I was um, there. And also, it was also, uh, uh, whether I'm racing or not, uh, or meeting people, just being there was, was pretty uh, a, a good feeling for me to have, to, to kind of see where I want to be uh, in the next five or six years and, and just experiencing the, the top race of our sport was super cool for me. Um, that's the first time, I believe that's the first time I've been to the 500. If I did, I was younger and I don't, I don't remember it. So that was a super cool experience. I was also in um, Vegas um, out of the track on Friday, this Thursday and Friday this um, past weekend too. Are there any drivers um, in the, Truck Series, Xfinity, and um, and Cup Series that that you pinpoint and look up to um, driving style wise. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I really look up to Jimmy Johnson. He's been I, he's been personally a huge help and mentor to me, um, especially this last year. He's been helping me a lot, um, trying to to work with me to see what we can put together for me. And he's he's kind of jumped on a uh, that's kind of one of his projects. He's been helping me um, once he retires he, he really said to me which is I'm really thankful for that he wants to help me kind of like Jeff was able to help him um, back when he was getting started in, in his NASCAR route um, so 
I obviously look up to Jimmy Johnson a ton uh, as a person and as a race car driver, seven-time champion, um, really speaks for itself. Um, other, and there's definitely other kids that are uh, people a little older than me that even haven't made it, made it the um, cup that I look to for like some of their driving styles. Um, I, I definitely think Sheldon Cree is one of those guys who has a lot of talent that I've known, but um, he's actually helped me a little bit um, out last week, last year in the Dirt Vegas race. He gave me some good um, pointers and advice, but I really, I really took to help me almost go win that race. Um, so he's someone that I think he's got a lot of talent. He's someone that um, I'm friends with, and also a lot of other guys I look up to, Kyle Bush for sure, just trying to study him. He's always um, and I think I look up to him because anytime he shows up at a racetrack, he's in contention to win the race. And that's something that uh, I feel like if I could study him and, and we'll drive just a little bit of like he does, then um, I'll be pretty set. Uh, but, yeah, obviously, a lot of guys that I look up to. Um, as a young driver, if, uh, we all know Kyle Busch is, as an owner, uh, well, first off, as a driver, I mean, he's he's incredible, arguably the best in the sport right now. But as an owner, he's had the reputation of being extremely tough on his drivers, um, extremely tough on his employees, and even truck. I mean, I don't know if you watched the truck this past weekend, but, um, and I quote, he at one point in the race called his truck a fucking turd. Um, as a young driver, would you prefer to have an owner like Kyle Busch, um, where he's very hard on you, um, all year round, or say an owner kind of like how Dale Jr. is, where he's kind of on the backside, lets you make your mistakes, but he's there to lean on? Um, I, I think um, it's, hard, it's hard to really answer that question because I haven't been necessarily in, let's say, Kyle Bush's team or Dale, or I have been raced actually a few races for Dale Jr., but I haven't been like a fully uh, around in the Xfinity program consistently so it's hard to like to really judge because i feel like a lot of it is um blown a little out of proportion in the media and um what we kind of see from the outside i think might be a little bit different than what it's really like like in the team because um i can tell you for sure that kyle bush wants his first to run the best they can every week and same with dale jr so it's just i, I guess a little bit of a, a different style of how how to get that and i think um that, that fits kind of into either one of their personalities. It's like Kyle's obviously, he's hard on himself when he doesn't run well. Uh, he's also hard on anything else that anyone else does around him. Uh, and I think that's just how competitive he is. Where Dale Jr. is going to be a little soft and spoken, a little um, laid back, and um, I don't know, a little more relaxed, per se. And, uh, but they still, still both have the same motive, like I believe, just like every team owner, they want their cars and their drives to run as best they can every week. So it, it's hard to, to make that assumption without being in both of the, being in both of those programs. And and this is kind of a, another uh, hi, uh, kind of a hypothetical question here. But Connor and I debated the last couple podcasts ago about uh, you know, and you're the you seem like the perfect candidate that can maybe um, t- tell us which one which one's right. You know, Connor was asking the question if you were if you were an up and coming driver, would you rather have five races in a KBM truck, or would you rather be guaranteed an entire season in a much less funded truck? What do you think about that? Which one would you prefer? Um, it, it, it's hard to, to answer going back to my last question, but it's, um, I feel like if, if you're fighting fighting for fighting for wins um, in a little less competitive truck, um, if that less competitive truck with the full season could still contend for wins, contend for top 10, but I think that's really the way to go. Um, it's hard to only run five races and become a better driver. Um, and, and that's kind of what I'm finding out in life right now. It's it's hard to, to improve as a driver when you race five to ten times a year. Um, you just don't have the seat time. You, you're a little busty when you get in the car. You don't have your restarts down, per se. You don't learn more track. So I think it's hard to just run five races in a KBM truck and go out there and um, light the world on fire when you don't have unless you have a ton of previous experience so 
So I think maybe if, if you fought a ton of laps, you know those tracks, maybe five five races is the way to go. But let's say you need to go out there and get experience, learn the trucks, learn how to drive the trucks, learn the tracks that they're going to go to. Maybe that 20-race schedule is a little better option. And then maybe once you got that down, you feel, feel like you're getting the most out of those trucks. Maybe following that, you go and run those five KBM to try to pick off some wins. Um, that's, that's, I think, ultimately what what I would personally do if I was in that situation. But it just it just really depends on what's possible money-wise and, and what really fits best for you in, uh, in that situation. Yeah, well, I wish you were in the studio right now and you could see Connor's face because he basically made the exact same argument that you did. So it sounds like I've lost this yeah, debate. Yeah, I, I I've lost the debate. pretty much said the exact same thing you did, and we, we put out a, a debate. Funny, yeah. We we put out a poll on our on our media handles and a lot of people swung the other way and said five race in a Kyle Bush truck, but I I kind of took it from the driver's perspective of of getting seat time and and learning how to get on pit road and on and off pit road and learning how to restart restarts and just um, dotting every um, I and crossing every T really is was my point. But so I'm gl- I'm glad a, we I'm glad we got a real race car driver who I agree, shouldn't even I, I should never have even asked that question. Now Connor's gonna be pretty hard to deal with. Yeah, because for, for me, if I went to go hop in five KBM races right now, um, those first couple races, I'd be working off the bugs of what it's like to drive a truck. I've never drove a truck. I've never had live pit stops. Uh, I, I've never been to a track a mile and a half or bigger. So it would be, be knocking a lot of those those bugs off in such a limited time span where um, if you had 20 races, you can kind of get comfortable. And, and get more seated versus the five races. I feel you gotta you gotta perform right away. You don't have any any time to waste because um, there's a lot of chance involved. Like let's say you have a flat tire that first race, then you're down to four four races to to you're in, and you're in the best equipment, so you're expected to win. Where it's hard to uh, if, if you if you believe you're ready for that, then I think five races is the way to go with KBM if you're if you're not, you don't you don't know those tracks, you don't know the cars, then um, I think probably the twenty race field is probably the better option in that situation. Well, and see, that was that was kind of my argument. I mean, what happens if you do win a race? I mean, that to me, that changes everything in your career. Yeah, it, it definitely makes a, a big difference. But you gotta kind of weigh your chances. Do you think you're um, maybe you're fast enough to win, but you're fast enough to, to run with those guys, so that's only a small part of it. You gotta put the whole whole race together, and, and that seems to be a whole different beast. Jagger just agreed with me, but then set the record straight <laughs> to tell me how I'm wrong. <laughs> Uh, so you talk about this close relationship that you have with Jimmy Johnson. I think that's awesome, and a lot of people in your position mm-hmm. at that age. Uh, cannot say they have a, a relationship like that with a seven-time champion, one of the greatest drivers of all time. How did that? How did that form? Was that something that happened with West Coast connection or what? Um, my my dad um, and Jimmy became friends. Uh, I would say about twenty-five years ago. I I honestly haven't asked him exactly how they became friends. Um, maybe I'll do that today. How how exactly they became friends? But I know it was before his even before his. Cup Series days, because um, I knew they were I knew they were super close when they were both racing the Bush Series at the time together, and I, I bet you they met before um, racing off road and on the West Coast. So they become became really good friends because obviously they came from uh, similar backgrounds from both California. Um, so they became really good friends, and then um, Jimmy, you know, I was racing when I was younger, and me and my brother were both racing, and then. Um, about two, two and a half years ago, uh, my dad and Jimmy said they obviously stayed in touch, and Jimmy said that he wants to help, and um, since then, he's really been a, uh, definitely a huge help to me, and, and now it's kind of just grown. We've, we've kind of made our own relationship, uh, and he's been a, a really good mentor to me, and like you said, yeah, it's, sometimes it's hard for me to even believe, because um, I grew up watching Jimmy Johnson, and um, win championships and win races and having helped me is just 
uh, something I'm super thankful for. And you mentioned your brother, brother racing. What, what's that? What's that like to have a sibling, you know, in the house that you're you're near age with, and you're both you're both racing? How's that? How's that relationship? Yeah, my my brother Jake, he just turned 15. He's been racing uh, late models last year. Um, he actually took over my ride um, when I moved back to Grand Canyon this past year. So uh, it's it's great having a brother that has the same interests and. Um, you can get along with, like, we'll go, I'll go to his, drive him out to his races in California, um, in Vegas, and, and when I'm not racing, and kind of stand, take a step back and stand and watch and, and give him advice when I think he needs it, and try to motivate him, and, and he'll obviously do the same, come to my races and um, help me out a little bit if he can, and learn from me, and I even learn watching him, so um, it's, it's great having him do that, and uh, or having a brother doing that. We used to race go parts against each other. Um, we haven't raced like head to head against each other since. Uh, yeah, I think the last time was go karts when we were a lot younger. But hopefully one day we'll be racing together, um, fighting for wins and championships um, in some NASCAR series one day. Uh, that'd be pretty awesome. We uh, will certainly be following that. Uh, kind of as we wrap this up, obviously you're 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 a NASCAR Cup Series fan. What, what who what is Jimmy Johnson your favorite driver? Is he the household favorite, or or, or who, who do you pull for on Sundays? Yeah, Jimmy Johnson is uh, definitely household household favorite. Um, I'm def- I'm a Larson fan for sure. I think he's really talented. Um, I like the whole Hendrick team. Um, I've been rooting for them since I was a kid. So uh, those those are my guys. All right, very good. Well, Jagger Jones, best of luck to you. Um, we hope to see you out on the track this year and, and see your progress because, you know, the numbers you put up uh, last year in, in the K&N series, I thought were, were as I said, pretty impressive. And, and I look forward to seeing you uh, seeing you back out on the track soon. Yeah, well, thank you. And um, to the listeners, all of you guys, if you want to follow along with what I'm doing, what I'm racing this year, yes, you follow me on Instagram. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, I'm, I'm posting a lot of stuff on there. So um, thanks for having me on. All right, Jagger Jones, thanks for Appreciate being with it, us. man. I, I love that name. Jagger? Why couldn't my parents have named me Jagger? Jagger Martin. I don't know. Jagger Jones. JJ. It's like Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. JJ. Yeah, JJ. Uh, great, great, uh, great kid. I, uh, I mean, last year's numbers were, I thought, really impressive, as I said in the right. interview. I mean, Kind of I'd love to have numbers like that. Yeah, especially uh, in that very cutthroat series that was Kane and West last year. So. But he's, you know, he's made the decision to kind of go East Coast now and kind yeah. of look for opportunities there, and and that may be the right way to go. So, and uh, you know, we'll be we'll be certainly watching. Uh, we're starting to add names to the list that we're watching their careers, and uh, he's uh, he's certainly going to be another one. Yeah, of them. he's definitely in, definitely one of them.